Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Bright with Elise podcast. It's your host, Elise. And today I'm really excited about my guest I have. It's Sherry Brown. And you'll get to meet her in a moment. But she has been like a second or third circle influencer in my life. Like she isn't in my life every day. I don't see her very consistently. But the things that she has passed on to me are very, very influential. So today we're talking about domestic violence in the church, um, domestic abuse, and it's a heavy topic. So if that's something that you're not ready to hear or um, will kind of trigger some hard things in your life, just want to give that warning. Um, a lot of like conversation about abuse in the church and outside of the church. Um, so just wanted to give that trigger warning up front. But um, yeah, I'm so excited to have her on to talk about the hard things, to dig in and to see how we can show up better um, for the women in our lives. Um, So without further ado, here is Sherry Brown. What's up, Sherry? Welcome to the Bright with Elise podcast. I'm so glad you're here today with me. Me too. It's awesome. Um, Just a classic Wednesday, crushing it. So Sherry, I met Sherry, I don't know, maybe six years ago, maybe. I don't know. A long time ago. Maybe. It's been a while. And I, I love her and her husband, Pastor Greg. They're very influential people in my life, um, largely because of their like ideas about Christianity and several things that they believe. So um, Sherry, you and I were at a womanhood retreat. and. I was mind blown <laughs> by some of the things you shared um, because it was the first time that I had experienced like a womanhood retreat in the context of Christianity mm-hmm. that was so empowering mm-hmm. as a young woman. Okay. Um, I mean, I remember like, you know, I, I've been empowered. My family, like, I feel like very much empowers me. Um, shout out, fam. <laughs> but, you know, and sometimes you, like as a woman, it's like, eh. There's not, that's not always reality, especially in the context of like a Christian woman retreat. So I remember Mm -hmm. leaving that retreat and being like, let's go. I'm so glad that God created me as a woman, you know? Um, So it's just really cool. And that's, that's my, like my first impression of you. But then I found out that you're a pastor's wife, which (laughs) you wouldn't expect. (laughs) And I want you to tell that story of how you're like, I would never be and you're also a knitter yeah i am this girl can knit some socks man (laughs) um i wrote on our notes that you're a spicy lady because you got some spice to you (laughs) it's a nice way to say it (laughs) (laughs) you know you run you you really help with circles of troop county which is a um awesome ministry in lagrange um but yeah i would love for you to just talk maybe briefly about your season where you're at in life right now. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a, it, it is a new season of empty nest and um, kind of changed my career 10 years ago and just mm. gone in a completely different direction and having had a really good time. Um, yeah. yeah. My, my primary work is with uh, anti-poverty nonprofit. So we help families Low-income families become self-sufficient, and then at the same time, we address barriers in our community to help people get ahead. And I really, um, I find a lot of um, satisfaction in what I do. It's mm. sometimes heartbreaking and sometimes incredibly rewarding, and sometimes all of that in one afternoon. 
but um, <laughs> it matters. And uh, I like both parts of that. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So why the career switch 10 years um, ago? Good question. I don't know. Maybe I had a belated, uh, you know, midlife crisis. <laughs> crisis. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, I was a journalist for 20 years and I loved my job. Uh, journalism has changed a lot. And, um, okay, hold on. Uh, so anyway, um, I'm sorry. I got, it popped up. Something. I'm sorry. I um, didn't know it was going to so make anyway, it sound. No, you okay. can just start again with journalism or whatever. Okay. All right. So, um, for 20 years, I was a journalist and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Journalism changed and it's not the same. And, mm -hmm. um, this position, I actually wrote about it. Uh, they created a group, a community group, uh, came up with this kind of plan. I wanted to hire someone to start the program. And I just thought it combined a lot of who I was. And, um, I just, my last child was going to college and I was ready for something different. Mm -hmm. And I took the job and then thought, what in the world am I doing? I have no idea what this is. I don't, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> so it was, um, a big step, but it was a lot of fun. I've learned a lot, learned a lot and grown yeah. a lot. And, uh, I really, I really like it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Man, um, I've been like in touch with random small parts of circles and just love this ministry. Like yeah. one of my top yeah. favorite ministries. And I remember one time there was this like random time that I felt like the Lord was calling us to pray or something for circles. Mm -hmm. And then there was this random donation that happened at circles. Oh, yeah. You remember that? I remember that. Yes. Oh, that was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was great. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, yeah, you cool. know, running okay. a nonprofit is not only do you have the work, which is very satisfying, but you have to keep the lights on. And yes. we don't get, you know, we don't have state funding. We don't have any real primary mm. um, funding. And so it can get, that's a whole piece that I've had to really learn. But um, yeah. yeah, so yeah, there's a lot of praying for <laughs> the donations. That yeah, <laughs> yeah. So when I met you again, I kind of shared like it was that womanhood retreat with mm -hmm. Impact 360 as an 18-year-old. And some of the comments we talked about or some of the conversations that we talked about were a lot about um, kind of like the reality of or how God created woman, right? Mm -hmm. And like his good, perfect, amazing plan, which is very fascinating. And then also where we're at kind of now with this like, state of the church, state of the world, yeah. and how the world has like treated woman. And it just, you really opened my eyes to kind of the realities of some stuff that's happening specifically in religious spaces. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you live in Georgia, so you're mm -hmm. kind of like deep, deep South. I'm in North Carolina, I'm a little, a little higher, <laughs> but um, it's still, you know, still very Bible belty. Yes. So um, I would just love to like, dig into this conversation of, um, you know, domestic abuse, mm -hmm. um, how that's rampant, rampant in religious spaces has been for years. Um, and just kind of like your awareness and understanding of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I would say, and one of the reasons I chose that to speak, and that wasn't the whole weekend of our womanhood retreat, but I did, right, right. I did choose to speak that because when I was your age, I was, I saw it, but didn't know I was seeing it. And I was very bad at being a sister in Christ. Um, mm. I didn't know what I didn't know. And um, we didn't talk about it. But also, and, and I think we have to start at the point that people don't want to, 
people want to be there for each other, but I think they don't want to see really, really ugly things. And you just can't Mm. imagine that. And so I think, um, you know, I, I don't want to be judgmental about people who are harsh about this issue or ignorant about this issue because that was me for a very long time, which is why oh, I, me too. Yeah, that's why I like to talk about it because and I, and I've, I, you know, I've talked to my daughters. I'm like, I want you to be a better person a lot earlier than I was. Um, mm. And uh, it is domestic violence is one of the issues. I will say we, we work with women and men in my organization, but most of them are women. And I would say almost 100 percent of them have experienced domestic violence at some point. Um, mm. And just to back up a little to define how I define domestic violence is not always physical violence. It will probably lead to physical violence, but mm-hmm. it is about power and control. I use a power and control wheel as the tool that I like yep. to talk about. Easy to Google. Um, it's been around since I believe the seventies or the eighties. So it's been around for a long time. It's kind of the industry standard. It um, lists a lot of, and, and I think when I was a reporter, I really started learning about this I did a series of about, um, it was about 20 articles and I interviewed a whole bunch of women who were on the other side of it. And I had the reaction that I think so many have. I talked to these women and I'm thinking, you're smart, you're beautiful, you're, how in the world did you get caught up in this? Mm. How did you, how did this happen? And, and I will say, I was for a long time that kind of person that saw that as somebody who was, you know, didn't have any choices. I kind of assumed alcohol and drugs were always involved, and they often are, but um, I just assumed it was just a mm. certain kind of picture I had in my head. And I didn't picture my neighbor or the, my, my friend on the church pew. I certainly didn't picture another pastor's wife. And um, mm. I have discovered all of those things can be true. And, um, Mm. so yeah, it's, but a couple of, just a couple of the, um, aspects of domestic violence, which we refer to as domestic abuse. Um, and sometimes we'll refer to it as domestic violence as well. But, um, these are aspects using isolation, which means you kind of pull people away Mm. from their friends, their family, uh, using emotional abuse, making you feel like you're too stupid to do things on your own. You're not capable, um, intimidation. Um, I've had, I mean, I've heard there's some really amazing, skillful intimidators out there. I had a, a friend who told me once, um, her husband was, was terrifyingly abusive, not physical, um, but with the intimidation. And she was at the grocery store one day and she was just walking along and he walked up behind her, put his arm around her neck and said, I just want you to know I can always find you. Mm. And, and it was things like that, that was just constant reminders that he gave her that Mm. he had power over her and he could always find her and, you know, all that, but, um, using coercion and threats. Um, if you leave me, I'll kill myself. If you leave me, I'll kill the kids or I'll take the kids or you'll never mm. have a dime or, you know, whatever, um, economic abuse, keeping money, not allowing access to money, giving you a, you know, yeah. you can have $20 a week and that's all you get not knowing anything about it. Male privilege. Um, and this is not a, um, um, faith-based power and control wheel. It's just kind of 
the industry standard, as I said before. Yeah. But and we can talk about how that translates in the in the religious world. But um, you know, being the one that says, I'm the man of the house, I'm the king of the castle, you'll do what I tell you. Also using children mm-hmm. if you have children, and then um denying and blaming it's all your fault, you make me do this, that kind of thing. So those are all um and, and every single person I've ever talked to that's been in a domestic violence situation can point straight. I mean, when they see this, they're like, oh my gosh, this this is, this is exactly what it looks like. So it's not, I mean, it's not wildly different. It, it, you know, it's pretty much the Mm. same. So um, that's kind of what I'm talking about. And, um, you know, my, my story with all that is I became aware of it as a reporter and then um, Mm. also I was wondering how you got in, like involved in that this the, or how your mind yeah, changed. That, that was the first, I mean, I really dug deep. It was, like I said, a series and, and um, we exposed, uh, we did some research with the city and the county 911s and found we had an average of 10 to 15. I'm in a county of 60,000 people. It's not big. And we had 10, yeah. to, 10 to 15 domestic violence calls a day on average, a day. Wow. And I was just, blown away. And uh, we do have an excellent um, women's domestic violence women's center. It's a shelter, but it also does a lot of work. If you don't have to leave your partner. Mm-hmm. You don't have to move into their shelter to give you um, community support. And uh, so this was kind of in conjunction with their work as well. Mm. Um, so that's kind of how I started. But personally, and um, I began to be more aware of how much it was in the general public. And I had a really good friend that um, was also a pastor's wife that I had known years ago. And, you know, she was, she was, I was a little jealous. She was the perfect pastor's <laughs> wife. I mean, she was a lovely woman, just friendly and kind and warm and beautiful and sang like an angel and loved kids and all those <laughs> things I wasn't, you know, but I just, you know, I really liked her. Of course, you know, we're different churches. We didn't spend a lot of time together. And right. this was way before social media and that kind of thing. But we reconnected later on and um, I knew she had been divorced and I hadn't heard anything about it, but, um, cause I had moved away. And, um, so we just got together and I met up with her one day and I said, well, catch me up on your life. And she just looked me dead in the eye. And I really wasn't necessarily talking about the relationship. And she said, I left him when he tried to kill me. And it was Mm -hmm. over, they were married more than 20 years. They had children. And I asked her, I mean, she was very open. And I said, when did he start physically abusing you? And she said about a month in. And, and, you know, I had no idea. I had known them. I had admired them both. We liked them both. Would never, ever. I mean, I was stunned. I was just um, stunned. And I also, you know, I realized I was so grateful she never said anything to me about it because I would have been awful. Yeah. I mean, I I would not, I would have dismissed it. I would have minimized it. Yeah. I would have said, I probably would have said, you need to pray more or, you know, one of those. Mm. you know, things you really shouldn't say. I know now that are not a good thing to say, but I just wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known, had any mm-hmm. idea. And um, so, and, and since then, I mean, I've had college friends that have told me, um, mm. you know, they, they were involved in, and, and I mean, these are people who stay married for years and years and years. These are not people who just have one bad night and break up with their boyfriend. Right. So it's mm. very complicated. Um, I, you know. Yeah. I was talking to another mom this week who her child is 
in that kind of relationship and she sees it and her child's beginning mm. to see it and it's terrifying. And mm. It's hard. Yeah. Well, I think the first, like one of my questions is, you know, a lot of this is um, in this like religious space, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. this like, well, one, my first question is like in your, in your perspective, do women who are, who are in this domestic violence, do they understand they're being mm. abused? That's a really good question. Um, I think sometimes yes and sometimes no. And I think a lot of times in the faith world, it's really a little fuzzy too, especially okay. um, if you're not being, you know, all these things I just mentioned before, you can be in, a, in an abusive relationship, but if he doesn't hit you, you can convince yourself it's not, he's not really abusive. Um, because yeah. a lot of people define it as being physically hurt. And a lot of people are physically yeah. hurt. But if you're not, it's easy to say, oh, well, I'm not really being abused. It's fine. Mm-hmm. We can go to counseling or right. work through it. Right. Or that's just, you know, I'm not a good wife. Um, a lot of folks. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think in the religious world, we get I, a lot of abusers will use faith as a part of their manipulation. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. So how does that work? Like, yeah, how does that work? Well, we kind of set it up. And I'm not saying that what we say is wrong, but it's easy to take it and twist it. But we talk a lot about women should submit. Men should be the leader. We don't really, you know, I hear a lot of people say, oh, men should lead their families. Nobody really breaks that down. And what does that actually look like? And so (laughs) when I was getting married, John, John, my husband, Uh I I kept saying, like, I think you're supposed to be like the leader or something. (laughs) Yeah. And he was like, what does that mean? He's like, Elise, I literally don't know. that." (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was like, well, you should be. (laughs) Yeah. And our expectations. I mean, I think we do because I don't think I've ever heard anybody just break that down on exactly what that looks like. But I think Mm. um, in what I've seen a lot of times in an abusive relationship, I mean, that can be carried all the way to the extreme of that. I'm the leader. So I will tell you what to wear. I will tell you how to cut your hair. I will tell you what to cook for dinner. I will tell you how much money to spend. I will tell you how to discipline Mm. the children. I mean, everything. And that's not really a covenant married. Um, But some people will define it that way. And that's, that's when, you know, these things can get held over you. Plus, and I, and I see this a lot in in women who really want to do the right thing. And they say over and over again, God hates divorce. And, you know, reconciliation should be your goal, which God does hate divorce. It's ugly. Um, He also hates abuse. Yes, exactly. And, and I think, I think, and I'll, I'll probably get in trouble for this, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I think sometimes we've made an idol out of marriage and the goal is marriage. Oh, yeah. The goal is not a covenant relationship. The goal is marriage. And that's not a good goal. Um, mm. And I, I really think, um, I mean, I don't advise people to get, I don't tell anybody what to do, actually. That's not my place. <laughs> um, but I do want people to be safe. And I do, mm. um, I will ask the question, do you feel safe? Do you need mm-hmm. a plan? 
to get away if you don't feel mm-hmm. safe. Now, that doesn't mean mm-hmm. you need to leave your spouse, but you might need to get some space, especially if you don't feel like you're physically safe or your children are physically safe. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. so I think that's an important question to tackle. But um, and I, and I, th- mm-hmm. but I think women, you know, I have a, a, a really good friend from college who married a guy and it was a very physically abusive relationship. And she left him after maybe 25 years or so. I don't exactly remember. Wow. And, 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 you know, she's remarried and um, doing very well now. And we had reconnected again and we talked about it a little bit. And I said, why did you stay so long? And she said, because I didn't believe in divorce. God hates divorce. And, oh and I mean, gosh. she sees what, what that is now that, that she was caught into that. But yeah. I, I think we want to do the right thing. And, and also, I mean, ultimately, I think we really, a lot of women, they, they love their husbands and they, they want to believe them when they say, oh, I won't do this again, baby. I'm so sorry. Right. I shouldn't have hit you. And, you know, a lot of times it's, you shouldn't have aggravated me. You shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't mm-hmm. have done that. Um, I love you. And if I you promise. wouldn't do this, you, you scorched up there. Oh, I was just going to say, like, they'll say, I love you. Yeah. Like, I promise. Yeah. I didn't mean to. And, and you want to you know. believe it. And, yeah. and, you know, being out there alone is really scary. I mean, if you've been married mm-hmm. 10, 20 years, if you've got children, I mean, it's economically scary. It's, it's emotionally mm-hmm. scary. You're embarrassed, ashamed, especially if you're in the church because you failed. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think women take the blame much more than they probably should for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy to do when you feel like, and, and I mean, I've heard, I've heard preach, not my husband, but I have heard preachers preach <laughs> about, you know, if your man strays, it's because you're not giving him what he wants at home. And I'm thinking, no, we all have to take oh responsibility. Yeah. But I still hear that. I still hear that. And mm. I think even if you don't hear it, there's a little bit of that belief that, you know, if I was mm. enough for him, he wouldn't do these behaviors mm. or, what, or whatever. And um, yeah. we tend to blame ourselves. How much of that do you think is shifting? Like, I think we even talked about this some when at womanhood retreat because you grew up in this like feminist movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I grew up honestly feeling very empowered as a woman. Like, and I remember you were like, this is different, mm-hmm. right? So how do you think that has like impacted the teaching in the church? Like, Obviously, the teaching in the church when you were growing up was probably a little bit more like, I don't know, I want to say wrong, (laughs) but like, you know, so like, how do you see experience teaching in the church today? Like, do you think it's similar and still kind of enforcing it? I I do. I don't, I don't really see, I'm seeing some churches, and when I say churches, primarily leadership. Um, And and Mm -hmm. let me just tell you this, and this is, this was a, this was a sobering statistic that, mm-hmm. I, that I learned. The first place people call when they're in a domestic violence situation is law enforcement. But the second mm-hmm. most common place people, women turn is the church, someone in the church. Mm-hmm. And it's not a shelter. It's not a friend. It's someone in the church. And, it, and I think we're not prepared as church members or as church leaders to really deal with what we're dealing with. And that, yeah. that can be, that can be actually deadly because we really don't know what we're doing and we can give bad advice. Wow. Um, 
So I think it's just really important to get more educated. And I think some are. I did a story last year on the church church and domestic violence specifically. And I interviewed mm. a woman. And in the beginning, her church was very, they were not good. In the end, they under, they, they began to understand. And yeah. they became very supportive. And she felt very supported and very um, protected cool. by the church. I mean, she even had, her husband was very violent. And... Um, she had a restraining order against him mm. and he was not supposed to come to church. And they were in the service after the service started with her children. And he came and he got into the church and sat down. And then somebody, not too many people knew about it, but one of the ushers knew and they handled this really gracefully. They wait, they had their eye on him. And then um, because he also is known to carry weapons. And so they, and I mean, he's, not someone you would walk down the street and say, oh, he looks like stranger danger. I mean, right. you know, but they, when they stood up to sing, um, one of the ushers went and pulled them out. So it wasn't real obvious, took them and her and the children and put them in a room in the church, in a locked room in the church and had somebody there with her. I mean, they, they knew that he was dangerous and they wow. were, and they were going to make sure they were okay. And then they made sure it was safe and he was gone before they, um, and wow. I, they may have even accompanied her home because they had helped her move mm. to a secret location and, and, and do all that mm-hmm. too. So they were very yeah. responsive and they were very understanding. They were, I mean, it's a tragedy. It's not what anybody wants. It's not a win. Mm. I mean, it's tragic that this happens in our churches, but, um, mm. it was, but you know, when she first went to one of the church leaders, the first response was, well, you know, our goal is always reconciliation. And that's not something you should tell someone. I mean, I've, I've just learned, I don't, right. I don't tell anybody what my goal is. I don't have a goal. I just want to listen. You know, just tell me yeah. what you need to tell me. And then what do you need from me? Yeah. I mean, what can I do for you to help yeah. you? And sometimes people don't know. Sometimes they do. But um, mm. yeah, that's just. Mm. Yeah, that's good. I think it's like, it's just interesting because I'm curious about that that transition. And, and it might be also be the type of church too, because I do think there's some some churches that really get it right. You know, they like, I mean, a church mm-hmm. I've been a part of recently, very similar situation. The church stepped in, helped someone move, mm-hmm. helped the kids be safe. Mm-hmm. All of the men specifically had eyes on this person mm-hmm. to make sure yeah. she was taken care of and yeah. her kids were safe. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, that's, that's the trend we want to move towards. Um, so I think in your mind, like, this is a huge conversation. Yeah. But, you know, for someone who's listening, that's like, uh, <laughs> I'm not aware of this. And, yeah. you know, kind of like me, when I first heard about this, I'm like, you're kidding. You know, <laughs> surely not in my, in my church. No, you know, what do we need to be highly aware of? Like, where... Where do we need to start moving towards awareness? I, I think, well, first of all, that it happens, and it happens a lot more than we realize. One in four women mm-hmm. will be victims of domestic abuse in their life. That's 25%. I mean, think about it. You put, yeah. you know, you put eight women in a room, two of them are going to have domestic violence issues at some point in their life. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. And that means, and it's, and it's in the church too. Um, we don't want to believe that. We don't want to see it. That's painful to even think that that could happen, but it does. Um, I I pulled some stats. I know Georgia stats, but I pulled some national stats. The number one state for domestic violence statistics is Oklahoma. 
49.1% wow. of women will experience domestic violence in the state of That's oh 50%. So you know anywhere you're at, you're standing in a group of women that, that have experienced it. I know when I wrote that series of stories locally, um, I think one of the things that really shocked me was everywhere I went for several weeks, I would get somebody that would just come up and whisper to me. It was like, at the library, mm. at the grocery store. And I sort of knew them and they'd say, that was me. That story you wrote, that was my life. Or that is my life. And I was just stunned. I mean, wow. they just offered that up. And it really did surprise me. Um, my husband, you know, a lot of times people, women especially, don't want to tell someone in the church. They don't think they'll be believed. And also they're ashamed. Um, my husband, I came home mm. one day. This was, he does not watch movies at all. And he doesn't come home in the middle of the day. It was like four o'clock in the afternoon. And I came home and he was sitting watching. This was back in the DVD age. And um, <laughs> he was watching Sleeping with the Enemy, Julia Roberts movie about domestic violence. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what? what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, I was very confused by the whole thing. And he was mesmerized <laughs> by this. I'm like, why are you home? And why are you watching a movie? And why are you watching this one? And he, he doesn't share much with me. I mean, he took very seriously you know people's or he respected their stories and I don't I don't right. know most of their stories but um he said that, that a woman had walked out of church and slipped this out of her person into his hand and said and just whispered to him as she left this is my life and walked away and and he was just really trying to process what that meant and he he kind of looked at wow. me and I went oh my goodness and he's and and he didn't know how to respond. I mean, it was a very subtle, and it's like, you know, he knew enough not to just call her up and say, hey, what's going on? Because she wasn't safe. Right. I mean, she, if you've ever seen that film, it's, it's terrifying, mm-hmm. you know, in a very subtle, creepy kind of way. But, um, and so over mm-hmm. time, and, and, you know, she was very active in our church, and we didn't know this, we didn't see this, and um, it was a mm-hmm. very dangerous situation. She did. Um, and, and by the way, the most dangerous time for a woman in that situation is when she does try to leave. That's when most wow. um, murders happen. And um, wow. by the way, uh, the most uh, Nevada has the highest rate of domestic violence murders. And um, oh, wow. And, uh, and has been in and out of the first place for a long time. But um, that's a that's I mean my little my Man. little town I mean I had I had easily found three people three families that had experienced death at the hand of domestic violence and in their family wow. and, and it wasn't hard it wasn't a hard it didn't take long to find them um so I think we've got to recognize how common it is and how it is in our church mm. and I think we've got to just believe people when they slip us a dvd or when they drop a little hint or even mm. if you just, if you learn enough about what it looks like, which isn't that complicated, uh, like I said, um, you can, you can sometimes see it. I mean, the red flags are there. Mm. Yeah. So let's think about that for a little bit. Like what is, I mean, if we think about empowering women, mm-hmm. that starts with, belie- you know, believing them. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially, you know, in the height of the Me Too movement. I mean, we're we're here. So yes. what do we need to like be looking for? If someone's like never known what to look for with a victim of domestic abuse or domestic mm-hmm. violence, where should they start? 
Well, I think in the church, it, it can be seen, what I see in faith spaces is they'll never get real involved. In fact, they might even be church hoppers because if you get too involved, people will know you. Um, mm. Or they're women who just don't speak up at all. Very quiet and almost fearful. Um, and sometimes that's not always true, but, but that, is, that can be true. And uh, they won't get close. They may not ever really come to Sunday school because that's an opportunity for them. You know, again, you've got that isolation of users don't really mm. want you to have good friends. Um, they want to keep you away from, they want you to keep you dependent. And so, um, and, and I think, yeah, I think we need to be careful with our language. You know, you'll see something in the, mm. in the news that, you know, perhaps a celebrity that hit, you know, someone else and someone will comment, well, I'll tell you one thing, somebody hit me, I'm done. I'm, you know, I'm not sticking around. And you'll, you'll say those things and mm. you've just announced to whoever you're sitting with and whoever hears that, that you will not be sympathetic to any, you will not hear that. And so I think, wow. I think our voices and I think we need to be really careful about how we present ourselves and our beliefs and um, being compassionate mm. and understanding. Um, there's a lot of people in the faith world that are very rigid, again, about marriage. And they still, they still hold on to, you know, you should pray harder and then maybe he won't do that. You should pray about this. You should be more submissive. You should do this. And I think that's really dangerous because that says you, you control his behavior. And that's not, that's not true. And mm. um, you don't control him. He, he's responsible for his behavior. You're not. And that's um, sometimes I think in some faith spaces, we don't really believe that. We think mm. we control our children. We think we can make our husbands happy and make them mm. wonderful if we just... I heard someone just recently say, oh, women, if your husband's not doing what you want, you just need to back off and quit bothering him and let him be. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and, um, but, uh, but I do think, um, you know, uh, submission, however you define it, I don't care how you define it, is never abuse. That's not what mm. it is. And, and we've got to recognize that. Mm, um, I always recommend too that you find out your local shelters if you're in a city mm -hmm. that has one and you get the phone number and you put it in your phone and if you're not comfortable talking about it you encourage them to talk to someone else I think also we have to recognize that it is very very hard to leave that relationship and if we put the expectations mm -hmm. that you have to leave in order for me to care for you that's not fair either yeah that's, when I was um, younger and worked in like a, or kind of helped with this nonprofit called Save Our Sisters. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. Um, and we just found that it's so hard. It's so hard to actually leave, you know? Yes, so yes. like you're in this yes. sex trafficking ring and there's all this stuff happening. Mm -hmm. And then the opportunity to leave comes and most women won't take it because there's so much at risk mm -hmm. or there's so much trauma bonding. Mm -hmm that's in existence mm -hmm. at the same time. So it's just interesting that it's like the risk is so high yeah. and we have to know that to start creating safe spaces mm -hmm. to make the risk a little lower, you know, yeah. to make the access a little easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you want to, I mean, you need support. You, you're going to need some support, yeah. especially if you have children. That's just, mm -hmm. and especially um, 
if you've never handled money, if you've never, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I've heard stories of women. uh, That's another thing. A lot of women have to plan, have to make a safety plan to leave because that is a very dangerous time. And they'll, you know, Mm. I heard um, one woman told me in one of the stories I wrote the she had a curtain rod that was, Mm -hmm. it was a big one and it was hollow. Like a tube. Yeah. 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 And so she, she would stick like $5 bills when she'd get a little extra money here and she stuffed it for months trying to save up the money. And, you know, you got to get your birth certificate, your social security card, and you got to, you know, like, I have, t- I have told people, if you want to give me all that, I'll keep it in a safe place for you whenever you're ready. Um, because mm-hmm. you have to have those IDs, you have to have documents, you have to, you know, you have to think through some of that. Um, mm-hmm. and you've got kids and you just, it's difficult to just run out and, mm-hmm. and not have anything. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's some plans you can make and then you, you leave, a, you leave safely. You try to leave safely. Mm, uh, we yeah. we had a situation here, a tragic situation here, where a man murdered his wife, his in laws, and his stepdaughter, and her step his stepdaughter's friend who happened to be spending the night. He murdered the whole family. Oh gosh! And um, you know it it's it shook up the whole community. Mm. And um, you just and a nice neighborhood, nice family. Um, mm. You know. You just never know. know. Oh, gosh. And the relationship stuff doesn't stop for socioeconomic status. No. It's just across all, all boundaries. It, it, does, it doesn't follow racial lines, economic lines, educational mm-hmm. lines. It doesn't follow any of that. It happens across it all. Yeah. Cause I think that, that gets us into sticky waters too. Cause I mean, I easily assume mm-hmm. this person kind of like the pastor's wife that you spoke about earlier. It's just like so easy to assume she looks great. Yeah. She works out every day. Yeah. <laughs> Surely she's fine. Her kids are cute. They smile yeah. like they eat steak on the weekends. <laughs> Everything's fine. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. And for me to just assume based on maybe even her color of skin or mm-hmm. the way her hair is styled, that I'm like, she's probably fine. And that's such a bad, yeah. I don't know. It's just a bad precedent that I'm setting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hurt in this domestic violence um, reality. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like understanding that I think we as people, Christians, individuals need to engage with and be bold engaging with um the other side of this is how do we prepare um and Mm. kind of lay the grounds for women who are for empowering women Mm -hmm. you know like young women Mm -hmm. i mean i think your your work is amazing and even as much as it impacted me as an 18 year old as one conversation that we had I do double takes now. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I told you that earlier, but if someone says something kind of weird, I listen a little closer. Yeah. You know, I'll ask another question that I might not. Um, but that's like, like, how do we, how do we create some safe spaces here that it's actually empowering women mm-hmm. to be able to recognize this for themselves or someone else? Um, what would you share, say to that? I think we have to talk about it. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't even, 
acknowledge it. And I, I would like to see us discuss it with our young women because there's, mm-hmm. and, and there's also a power and control wheel for dating relationships and mm-hmm. um, which is very eye opening. And I mean, the signs are there and you just got to know what you're looking for. And I do think that they can be a little more hidden when you come from a faith background, especially if you hold to kind of a rigid male, female roles. Mm. And um, again, we don't define what leadership is. So some people think him doing everything sounds like what you're supposed to do. And you having absolutely no voice and no power in the relationship is what you're supposed to do. And um, Mm. so I think we've got to talk about it. We've got to recognize it's there. And I would like to see us talk about it with people before they get married. And also our young men, because Mm. these behaviors are not okay. And if these are the behaviors, if this is what you think a relationship is, somebody, we need to have a talk because this is not a healthy relationship. And you come from an abusive relationship. You don't know what good, healthy Mm. relational patterns are. Mm. Mm. Wow. Um, hmm. What about like talking about male, female roles, Mm -hmm. even in the, like in the church, like. I don't know. I'm just thinking through how to empower women. Yeah. Well, again, and I don't want to, different people have different views than I do. I mean, we're not all, and, and, and again, I, it's just not, it's just how you see scripture and how you see relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we have to say <clears throat> these kinds of behaviors, abusive behaviors, and we define them as more than just violence. These kinds of mm-hmm. behaviors are not okay in any way. And mm. I think that's a fair statement. Although, I mean, I, I will say I have heard some women in religious spaces say, even if he hits you, you just take it. And I don't, I don't believe that. I don't think that mm. that's, that's not what God has for us or, or he has a mind and I don't think that's what we're supposed to be doing. Um, mm-hmm. There are some that do. So I, I don't know what that conversation would look like because they don't have conversations yeah. with me, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but it, it is, I, I have seen a lot of women coming from very, very um, rigid mm. faith backgrounds. And when they come out of that and some of them just turn away from God completely because they're so disillusioned. Mm by that. And they, they, they connect faith with the abuse. And I, and Mm. you know, that, that breaks my heart because I think Mm. God is redemptive and God is always there. And I I do want to say something else. Um, I think we need to be careful what we recommend. Um, A lot of times we do a couple of things that I think are not healthy. One, we want to put people in merit and couples counseling. That's the worst Mm. thing to do when you have an abusive marriage because the power dynamic is is so off balance and you can't put them Mm. you put them in counseling together and there will not the woman will not have a voice they just yeah they just lie for an hour right and so you got to have separate counseling counseling is good but it needs Mm. to be separate counseling with people who who can work with with abuse um Mm. and the second thing we do is we're very very quick to want people to put it back together and we have to remember mm. that abusers are manipulative and they can cry and they can say, Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, this happened. It'll never happen again. You know, you've got to forgive me. They can use the forgiveness, you know, 
button and, you know, God forgives me, you got to forgive me and I want to come back and I want to come mm. home. And, and everybody goes, yeah, 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 yeah. And I want to say, reconciliation. yeah, they're thrilled <laughs> because it looks like a happy ending to a terrible situation. That's not usually, uh, in fact, I've never seen that to be the case. So I think wow. we need to realize that if reconciliation happens, uh, it's rare. And if it does, mm. it should take a very long time. I mean, I'm talking a year, mm. maybe two. I mean, there needs to be some serious, I have seen, I guess, one relationship I've seen put back together, but um, they were apart almost two years and both in counseling. Wow. And, and I think this was a key, they both had separate counselors, but he had to agree that his counselor could talk to her counselor about the situation. Mm. And at first, and, and, and I mean, that was one of the, that was kind of one of the things that she said, if you can't do that, then we can't move forward. And so, and they, they were able to do that, but it was a long, mm. long process and, and a hard process mm. for both of them. So, um, yeah, but it does. It makes me think much. also as a, you know, as a friend or a, an ear to someone who is vocalizing this, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of times <laughs> my reaction is like, great, good kitchen counseling. You know, I'm that overly optimistic person. It's like, let's just, yeah, let's do it. Come on, girl. You know, but I think the reality of sin is it's so messy. It's so messy. And it's not this like timeline thing. And me as a sister, I am choosing to get in the mess with you, girl, you know? And so we'll do a year. We'll do two years if we have to. You can spend the night in my house for Mm however long you need to. And Mm -hmm. like, I think that's just the messiness that I need to come to grips with as well Mm -hmm. and take my little optimistic hat off and put on a real hat, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. this is real life. Mm -hmm. And it's not this like sunshine and fairy roses all the time Mm -hmm. with a couple of things. So I have to make the, like something I'm processing is I have to make the conscious choice and decision to engage in the messy. Yes. However, for the the long haul. Um, I mean, it's not going to be for the long haul. No matter what happens, it's not going to be a quick fix. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's real life. And I think you have to say also, if you choose to stay, I'm, I'm there for you too. I'm not going to, mm-hmm. I'm not going to judge you if you choose to that's stay. That's good. And um, mm-hmm. that's really hard because it, it mm. kind of, it can be really heartbreaking. Mm. Yeah. And hard and yeah, hard to manage your own, your own thoughts about that. Um, man, this is so good. I think we could talk about this for a long time. Um, <laughs> But I'm curious, like what, like if you could recap or, or kind of like end or land with something, um, what would you mm. kind of wrap it up with? I think as women, the strongest thing we have is, is supporting each other and loving each other. And I think um, for me, I want to be the woman that is your cheerleader and not just only in the good stuff. And I want, I want to, I mean, I'm willing to sit in the messy. I'm willing to sit in the heartbreak. I'm willing to sit in the, you know, give and take, whatever it takes. And, and I think if anything, even if we're not in the middle of the messy, we've got to be supportive of each other. We've got to stop mm. judging other women, gossiping about other women, talking about mm. how they should do this or they shouldn't do that. And we've just got to be for each other. And in, in this situation, it's, it's a tough one. And, and if you're not, if you don't feel like, I think if you don't feel like you know what to do, go find someone who does. 
Yeah. Mm. Go, go and, and listen and learn. But be there, mm. be there for each other and, and let's just stop tearing each other down. Man, man, that's so good. Um, so many good, like, honestly, one-liners and concepts in here. Um, and I, I just want to acknowledge also, like, this is a very heavy topic. So to those who might be listening, if I'll put a trigger warning, honestly, at the beginning of this episode, but, um, if this, if something stick out, sticks out to you and you need help, I'll put, um, at least the Winston-Salem number, Mm -hmm. um, in the show notes. And is there a national number? You know, is it like a national shelter or like, I don't. Um, there probably is. I, I would just say Google your local number because there's a lot of them. Okay. Um, also, I can Google your. Yeah. There's a couple of. Uh, Diane Langberg is a incredibly spiritually strong woman who's been a counselor. I mean, she's been doing work with domestic violence abusers and victims for 40 years. She's written books. She's got podcasts and videos. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And Deeply, deeply spiritual, but also deeply understands the messy mm. of domestic violence. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I'll put some of these in the show notes just so whoever's listening can have access. And yeah. then I also want to put a link to the power and control wheel Good. because Good. that helps me visualize yeah. like, yeah. hey, this is what it can look like. And it's mm-hmm. sometimes very, it's a little too normal sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but I always like to end with these two questions. Okay. So what's something that's been challenging you recently? You don't, these aren't serious. Okay. So what's something that's been challenging you recently? And then what's something that's made your life brighter recently? What's the, oh gosh. Oh, I should have had to think about this. Something that's been challenging <laughs> me is knitting sweaters. Okay. <laughs> that would challenge me too. <laughs> I, tr- I try to learn a new skill every year. And last year I wanted to knit sweaters for grownups. And okay. it's been a challenge, but you know, it teaches me a lot of, because I have to, it's not fast. It's slow. I have to be willing to make a mistake. I have to be willing to pull it all out and start over, which is incredibly painful. And, you mm. know, but that, the creative process and, and it, it's teaching me a lot just about my own hurry and my own mm. frustration with things that don't go right the first time. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, so it's been, it's been a good practice for me. I've got two sweaters so mm. far and I've got two more that are half made and drive me crazy. <laughs> I'm telling you, when I say this woman's a knitter, she is a knitter. I'm a, I'm a fidgeter. And so I got, it's a, an excuse to fidget when I, I mean, I can't sit still. So I, I just. Your thumbs, like your thumbs start to hurt. Um, yeah, I do exercises and, and I have to be <laughs> like, if I knit for a really long time, get really into it, then. I can get a little, yeah. Yeah. I have to be okay. careful. All right. And what's something that's made your life brighter recently? What has made my life brighter? Um, you know, I've had a front row seat to a couple of people who've really made great progress in their life. And it just mm. is so, it's such an honor to be around somebody and, and maybe be a tiny bit of help and encouragement on their path. But then when they succeed, oh my gosh, it's just, it's just fantastic. And I, yeah. I and lately I've, I've seen, I've seen a couple of people just really do some amazing mm-hmm. things. And, and I've seen, um, 
a lot of folks in my program have have been hurt by God, and and, I, and mm. God didn't actually hurt them, but they've been hurt by what they thought God should have done, and they've had mm. some you know a lot of trauma and a lot of difficulties. And uh, for instance, a woman the other day, and she's like putting her feet back into believing God again and trusting God. Yeah. again, And she came into our meeting, I think it was last week. And, and I was a part of all this. So it was so cool to see. She said, I went to work. She goes to work at four in the morning. She said, I was on my way to work and I was just praying. She needs a new roof. She bought a house and it's the first house mm. she's ever owned. And she's in her fifties. That's so I know, cool. I know it's fantastic, but now she needs a roof and they're expensive, very expensive. And she didn't have the money for it. Yeah. And she said, God, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. And I need you to make, I just need you to give me a sign that you hear me and that you're going to help me with this. Mm. I mean, she was really feeling very anxious and very scared. And she wanted to know that God was there. And two hours later, she got a call and I knew this was coming, but I didn't know what was going on in her life. And um, she received a grant for almost all of her roof. And it was just, are you I know. Kidding? And it was just like, oh, and it, it, it really, it just, um, I mean, obviously it encouraged her so much, but it encouraged everybody in that room when she oh, told them. Gosh. And it was just, you know, I love the way God brings you to that place. And, mm. you know. It, it was, it was lovely. It was a lovely moment. So those things make my life a lot brighter. That is so cool. I will also put circles of Troop County. Okay. We got a new website, um, so we look good. Okay. <laughs> Their new website in the notes too. So if you feel like you want to um, honestly donate or learn more about mm-hmm. it, it's one of my favorite ministries in the world. So well, Sherry, thank you so much. I just really respect you. Thank you. It's fun. I probably won't listen because I don't like to hear myself talk. <laughs> Honestly, I don't either, so I get other people listen. But to all who are listening, thanks for joining, and we'll see you guys later.